I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, everyone. Just a quick content warning. This episode does include discussions around the topic of abuse as well as eating disorders. So I just wanted to give a little warning at the top. Now onto the show. Sandspants Radio, Australia's most procedurally generated podcast network. Hey everyone, welcome to Bookish. I'm George Dimrose. This is a show where we ask you what's your story and what does it say about you. Today on the show, we have food technologist and podcaster, Georgie Thursby. How you doing, Georgie? Good. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. You're, you're, you're laughing already at it. That's... I know. I feel so self-conscious, but I'll be fine. Yeah. They good. can't see me, so it's fine. Yeah. And that's uh, the only thing that matters. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I look great though. Yeah, yeah, no, you do, definitely. Thanks. They're, they're missing out. Busy day in the office, guys, and I've come, and I look absolutely 10 out of 10, yeah. I would say. that's. I like that level of confidence, you know what? Thank you. And I it's mean, true, look, you do. If 11. You, <laughs> oh, you know what? Stop, I'm blushing. If you can't love yourself, how the hell are you going to, what's the saying? I don't even know. I fucked it. Shit, am I not swear? Yes. Oh, God. You've already done it. <laughs> Yeah. I'm just going to shut up. It's, you go. No, you no, go. it's a podcast. You're, you're going to have to do some talking. <laughs> oh, true. It's kind of how it works. <laughs> oh, it's two-way street, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, before we go into the book, you should like, try to find out a little bit about the guest who's on. So That's me. Back, yeah, that is you. <laughs> I'm doing well. You're, you're good so far. You're nailing this. Woo! You are nailing this. So, nailing it. So even though you've got your own podcast, you've never done an interview sort of thing with someone before. Yeah, so this is the first time I've been on someone else's podcast. Right. Hence the nerves. Now I get how my guests feel. Yeah. Wow, yeah. interesting. I'm horrible. <laughs> I usually give no shit. So I'm like, oh, you'll be fine. We'll wing it. <laughs> I'm glad you're learning now. Okay. Uh, well, you'll be fine. We'll wing it. You'll yeah. Be okay. Exactly. Wait, what? <laughs> so, uh, food, te- let's just go. Let's, so, if, actually, and by the way, you're probably going to have the record. I think you're the youngest guest I've had on. Really? Very exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, look at that claim. Yeah. Do I have to disclose my age? You don't have to if you don't want to. I'm 22. <laughs> People are going to be wondering. What? 22 and I would say three quarters maybe. Three quarters? So nearly 23. Okay. Yeah. That's a, are you two? Like, <laughs> who says three quarters? Millennials. Yeah. No, is, that a, is that a thing? <laughs> I'm not even a millennial. What are you? <laughs> I'm a 90s baby. Okay. You are scraping in just with the 90s, I think. What, 98 or 99? 98. 99. That is offensive. Thank you very much. I'm 98. 98. Is 99 offensive? Is that actually a thing? I don't know. I don't know. I, don't know how I just made it offensive to myself. Yeah, yeah. I got a feeling though. Once you I'm a Virgo. Enough. Of course it's offensive. 
get it right. <laughs> All right. I, uh, so, and ev- everyone can already tell you're not from here. Uh, oh, yes. Yeah, you were born in the UK in... In the town of Appleby, which is in the Lake... Well, it's just outside of the Lake District. Basically, I live on the border of Scotland. Some, it's like the... Oh, that's like far north. Yeah. Wow. I'm like a proper northerner. I don't sound like it, but I... Yeah, I'm from Why north. don't you sound like a proper northerner? Because I went to private school. Oh, really? Yes. Did they hammer it out of you? <laughs> yes. Really? Elocution lessons. No, I'm joking. Um, no, I went to private school and yeah, there was like northerners that went to the private school, but I just didn't pick up the accent. I do have a bit of a northern accent when I get angry or when I'm really drunk. Okay. That makes sense. So yeah. challenge to see which one <laughs> you get from me first. Angry northern or drunk northern. Okay. I feel like drunk northern's probably going to end up angry northern as well. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Okay, so that's. Uh, do your parents have the accent? Uh, no, my mum is. Well, she's actually from the north, but she doesn't have the accent. She did go to elocution lessons, oh, actually. Wow. My grandmother sent her, uh, and my dad is half Australian, half English, so he's got a bit of like a mix uh, okay. going on. Uh, and you moved down here when you were moved here. Yeah, sorry, I'm just going to interject. I'm like, you don't know. I'll tell the story. Thanks. I'm just so I'm okay, being fine. really you know, harsh. You, you tell the story in the order you would like. Okay. Hey, I'm the guest. I'm the podcast lead. Oh, fuck. <laughs> you keep starting very strong. In I know. Yeah, yeah. And then I realized that I should just shut up. Um, no, so I moved here when I was uh, in my late teens, and then that was three and a half years ago. Can't do the math, so someone else can. That's how old I was. Well yeah. done. Um, then yeah, finished uni last year and still here. Couldn't get rid of me, guys. Also, because of COVID, there was no flights. Yeah, that does help. Yeah, does help. So, and and you're here on your own. Yes, moved here on my own. It's a bold move. I'm a bold person, George. <laughs> I'm, I'm picking up on that. At least you start bold. I don't know if you maintain the yeah. boldness. Look, I'm kind of like I'm trying to think of analogy, an analogy, an analogy, mm-hmm. but I can't think of one. Maybe like. I don't know, an orange, really hard skin outside. But then when you get in, it's just like soft and juicy. Yeah. That's fucking weird. That is not okay. I hate oranges as well. So I don't know why I thought of that. No, okay. That's uh, so you're, you're like an orange and <laughs> great. So uh, why did you come to Australia? Oh, this question. <laughs> you get asked it, I know, constantly. You get uh, asked it all the time. You, okay, fine. No, I'll, no, I'll answer because okay. it'll annoy me. I'm a Virgo, remember? Um, I don't know. Yeah. You're just saying that for all traits now to do with Virgo. Yeah. <laughs> ah, da, da, da. yeah. Okay. Um, no, so because I did nutrition as my degree, um, I was researching nutrition courses when I was back in the UK. And it turned out that Australia is like the place to do nutrition mm-hmm. because you're so far advanced in your research and also just the way of eating. Um, and if I became a qualified nutritionist in Australia and went back to the UK or America, I was also a qualified nutritionist. Okay. But if I studied in the UK and wanted to come out to Australia, for example, which has always been my goal, I would have to do another year of study to be qualified here. Right. And I was like, well, fuck it. Yeah. Applied to uni, didn't tell my parents, got in, had to tell my parents. Then I like, just go. They would... <laughs> I mean, they weren't quite that chill. (laughs) They're like, leave, see if we care. Just go. (laughs) Interesting family dynamic. Because if they weren't upset, do you have siblings that left before you to go do something or no? Yeah, all three of them above me had just gone. Where? 
My brother went to Hong Kong when he freshly graduated uni. Um, and he's been there like 10 years now. And then my sister, sisters, they just moved up. They went to, one of them went to uni. And then now lives in a place called Hull. Mm-hmm. Hull. Hull. Yeah. <laughs> Hull. It's a bit of a rough place. I really hope no one from Hull uh, ever listens to this because they will probably find me. And It's a book podcast, not from Hull. Yeah, to it. <laughs> Hull is a lovely place though. I once went and saw ballet there and it was divine. And then my other sister uh, moved to London and then moved back north. And yeah, so I was just home alone. Oh, okay. So you're like, fuck, I'm getting out of here as well. Yeah. I mean, the time would come to spread my wings and fly away. Yeah. 18. Yeah, you know, you're like I'm old. Yeah, I know. I took I've a gap year. I took a gap year, and all my friends were off living the dream at uni. And I was like, "It's time for me to go. Otherwise, I'll never leave." Yeah. Okay. So I left. Great. That's pretty ballsy for eighteen. Yeah. And, and three quarters, <laughs> or whatever the math is. Yeah, I don't know. Cool. And then you, with the nutrition side of things, yeah, technologist now. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, that's just interesting. What is? What is that? I think people would be like, "What is that?" Um, I always get nervous when I get asked this question in more of like a public format, just in case I actually get it wrong and I don't do my job description any justice. And they're like, that's not a food technologist. And I'm like, well. How often are you getting asked in a public forum? <laughs> hey, I'm pretty big, if you didn't know. Um, so food technologist, my day-to-day job, basically I work in new product development for a food company. Um And so I work throughout the whole from product ideation to, you know, benchtop formulations, talking to contract manufacturers, um, and then getting all the nutritional information together, and then making sure that our labels are within food laws and regulations, so we don't get called up. Um, And I write a lot of the copy for the company, so our product pages on the internet, and our, like social media and stuff I help out with that oh so it's like everything yeah it's because it's a small company so I get a lot of experience and then I then also once the product has been made I then have to do the quality and food safety side of it so that's a lot of documentation and admin which is boring but exciting so do you actually test like how long it takes to expire and stuff yeah so we do like shelf life testing so it's really common people like normal customers and food consumers don't realize but so there's accelerated shelf life testing so you put the food like the product when it's come off the manufacturing line you put it in like a controlled environment usually warmer and every 10 degrees above room temperature is double time so for example one week in like the incubator would be two weeks on shelf at ambient temperature so then you can test the product shelf life to make sure that the expiry date and the best before date that you've put on is accurate. Um, and then, so yeah, you have to do like a lot of chemical and physical tests to it, but then also sensory tests to it. As in taste and yeah. touch and things. Um, not necessarily touch. You know, when that food's off, but- <laughs> you touch it and you're just like, oh yeah. <laughs> just kind of like taste and smell. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And like appearance. Okay. Yeah. And uh, do, so I always assume in Australia, we're yeah. going to be ultra conservative here with any use-by date. So any use-by date is probably like a week earlier than it needs to be. Is that a crazy thing to think or is that kind of true? Um. So do you know the difference between use-by and best before? 
Uh, yeah, but you know, in case someone doesn't know who's listening, uh, so use by is I, mean, I know obviously. So use by dates is more of like a food safety. So that is when anything beyond that date, the food is technically unsafe to eat. So that's because deterioration could have occurred. Um, may that be like microbiological, chemical, or yeah, basically not safe to eat. Best before is just when the food is like the most optimum. Right. Does so any time actually... after that, it's still safe to eat. It's just not the best condition it could be. You'll find with a lot of dry goods, it's best before or things that are done in like what we call aseptic packaging. So it's like a very clean, sterile environment. That's usually best before. Mm-hmm. Whereas um, things that have a short shelf life, so you dairy products, you meat products, fresh produce, that would usually have use by. Okay. Because if you ate them off, you get very sick. Yeah. Whereas like chips, you're not going to get sick. (laughs) Sorry. You looked at me so (laughs) (laughs) presumptuously as you said that. You're like, duh. (laughs) Duh. (laughs) Whereas chips, they have like a best before because they're... Right. So is that because you do like the sensory test and you're like, ah, this is off on this one, but it's still good to eat. Or is that just like... No, it's just kind of like your knowledge. Innate knowledge that you have food tech as a food tech yeah yeah but no it's a really interesting job very it is very high pressured um just to bolster up my ego make myself feel really important mm-hmm. um no like yeah it can be really high pressured and stressful because yeah if one things go goes wrong uh it can be disastrous yeah <laughs> all right so let's go to the book and then kind of uh we can still jump around and get some more details okay. about your life because you know you how close are you with your siblings actually just quickly as in age, age or age. like close oh, okay um so i am 22 turning 23 in august remember my birthday guys <laughs> and then my other sisters are 25 29 and then my brother is 32 yes 32. okay so 10 years and pretty evenly split out. Yeah. Okay. And you guys were pretty tight, but... Yeah, no, I'm look... Trying to, I'm not trying to... We all went to boarding school. So that kind school? of... Yeah, same boarding school. But when I started, my brother was in his final year. So I actually realized I've never lived with my brother because he was already at boarding school when I was born. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, going to boarding school, you don't really have that closeness as a tight-knit family as is. You're very independent. So what, boarding school from what age? Eight. From eight years old? Yeah. What? Yeah. That's so crazy. That's such as like, is it like the whole year you're just living on campus? Um, Basically, yeah. And then you go home. We went home like six times a year. What? Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. From eight years old. Yeah. It's like Harry Potter. Very similar to Harry Potter, I suppose you could say. Like, just like, it's in such a different experience. Like, it's kind of cool in a way, but you might, so are you close to the people from school? No. Nah. Oh, no. I'm close with... <laughs> Some people, like actually some of my closest friends, like nearest and dearest, I'm still really good in contact, in really good contact with them. But no, a lot of people, I mean, look, when you move to the other side of the world, you drift apart. Yeah, I can understand that. It's just a, that's a, and was it close to home at least, the boarding school or was it other side? Um, Home for me, my parents moved around a lot, like international. So... That's oh, why so we went into boarding school. So, because oh, okay. my parents were moving around maybe every three or four years. So they were like, it's not fair on the kids to potentially change education systems from like English to American to local. 
and then also having to remake friends every single time you mm. moved. So then, yeah, we went to boarding school at the age of eight. Wow. Mm. That's kind of, that's a, that's an interesting, yeah. Yeah. It's different. It's so unique. Yeah. Yeah. But then again, if you were going to boarding school, I assume there was a lot of other kids who also had. Yeah. There was a lot of boarders. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't really unusual, but I think that's why moving to Australia wasn't such a big thing for me. Yeah. Because I was used to being away from my parents. Yeah. And like they lived in Australia for like three or four years when I was back in the UK. So like having distance between my me and my family, I'm cool with. Super cool. I'm fine. Totally fine. Totally fine. Yeah. Just so one more thing just with that, because that's interesting. So even though you have, yes, your sisters and they're relatively close in age, mm. if you're going to boarding school from eight years old, that means you never would have really hung out with them because you're just hanging out with the other people in your... Yeah. And then you only hang out with each other when you're at home and yeah. then... It's just like normal bickering, annoying, screaming each other. And like it's six times a year. Yeah. Yeah. So that's cool. I don't yeah. Know, that's a diff- completely different experience than I had. I, the Greek parents. So you just like. You gotta, <laughs> You've you got to love your family. Your, yeah, yeah. You, you know, they're, they're clutching onto you they're, they're all they can. <laughs> so that's very different. Um, I Okay. So let's go to the book anyways. And then we'll do us go around. Uh, your book of choice for today is? A Little Life. I don't actually know how to pronounce the author's name, so... Well, it... Uh, I'll let you do that. Uh, by Hanya Yanagihara. There you go. There you go. Now, this is, i got to say, a terrifying book for someone to choose. Also, interesting that my youngest guest ever is choosing this as their favourite book. It just, well, I don't know, because it's... Yeah. The it's, first time I read it, I was 18. Okay. And yes, I did go back and read it a second time last year in lockdown. <laughs> You're acting like a... That's fine. You can read it, reread it. If that isn't a flex, I don't know what it is. Because it's so long. Yeah, because it's so fucking long. It but is. it's a great book. It's worthwhile, guys. Yeah. Yeah. So for, for people who... Uh, for some quick background on the book, super famous book. Came out a, a few years ago. Uh, very popular. It's actually one, when I do my bookish show. Because I always ask people what's their favorite book. And that's mm. always one that gets mentioned a little life. Very popular. It's I about- got on it before it got popular, can I just say. Did you... Yes. I'm just looking here. It came out in 2015. And I finished school in 2016 and I read it in 2016. So you, and it wasn't that popular then. And whereas I feel like with lockdown, I'm getting jumping right on the defense here and I do not care. I feel like with COVID and lockdown, it became a massive thing. And I was like, already read it. Pff, I'll read it again. <laughs> that was last year. <laughs> exactly. It was a very popular book. I like how you just need to claim it. Ugh kids today i tell you <laughs> oh shut the fuck up <laughs> no, no, no. no so uh, it is uh, without we'll try and like i don't really care about spoilers but in this one i guess maybe there is a bit spoiler but we actually yeah. you know what we do have to spoil it because we you can't, can't avoid talk about all book. spoilers you can't talk yeah and which i say every time but especially this book considering what it's actually about which you don't find out till about a quarter of the way through the book yeah i think you're gonna have to if we're gonna talk about this book we're gonna have to talk about what it's about. yeah so essentially it starts off so, yes, if you want to read it, guys, go read it. Otherwise, this isn't actually a spoilery book as well, though, because it is something – it's not like a murder mystery. So. Yeah, it's not like a storyline. Yeah, yeah. So, it is about the experience. Yeah. Um, essentially, it starts off about four friends. Who all are, males. All males, which we can like, – we'd love to talk about that as well. But all males uh, who are friends in, like, school and have gone to university. University mm-hmm. friends, sorry. And then it's basically the book is about their lives that grow up, or at least that's what it seems like it is. Yeah. But actually, after about a quarter of the way through the book – and I'll be honest from here, I'm going to say that I probably, uh, we, we, we can have a bit of discussion about this because I do not, I, I have very mixed feelings about this book. Mm. But essentially about a quarter of the way through, it 
it's mainly about one guy and it's mainly about trauma. It's not really about friendship. It's not really about, it's mainly about a trauma and living with trauma essentially. Yeah. And the effects that trauma has on this one character. Yeah. And, and like obviously the relationships that he has with other people as a result of trauma. But yeah, that's, that's, it's not about like, yeah, that's what it's about. It's not a happy ending. It's not a happy middle either. No, <laughs> it's, not, it's not a happy book. No, it's not. It's a, yeah. So it's a roller coaster. Yeah. Um, the, yeah. So I guess the first question I'll ask is so that's the book. Yes. It's very, very traumatic stuff. Happens. Yeah. It's definitely it's, some heavy reading. To be honest, it, it does give off a vibe, and I'm not trying to be dismissive of it, but like, um, it is almost abuse porn. And in terms of like the amount that happens to the yeah. character is completely ridiculous. Yeah, it's it's, yeah. it's sadistic. Like it's, that's why one of those things I was reading, I was like, this is this is a bit much. There <laughs> are times where you really just kind of have to take a step back and you're like, I'm not okay. I'll leave you for a week and I'll come back when I'm okay. Yeah, it's that, that's one of the issues I actually kind of have with it as well. But uh, let, before we go into that, why is it your favorite book? Why do you think? I think it's because it's not anything that I've ever read before. Um, you know, it's not your typical murder mystery or your romantic novel or one with a very generic storyline. You never know what's going to come around the corner. And I think that's what kind of gripped me the most. And I adored how open and brutal it was, to be honest. You know, I have never read anything like that before. And I feel like it's a massive taboo subject as well, the whole book and what goes on in the book. I feel like, yeah. It was just very ahead of its time as well, I think. I hate saying that because I'm 22. (laughs) (laughs) But like when, (laughs) at the time it came out, there was, you know, it was before, I could be wrong actually, but you know, it was like maybe before like the Me Too movement and people were kind of speaking up about their experiences with sexual assault um, and emotional abuse and violence. So yeah, I think that's kind of what, drew me to it and at the first time I read it you know I had someone very close to me go through a very traumatic sexual assault and you know having something that I could kind of relate and understand their thought processes as well that kind of was why I was automatically drawn to this book all right yeah so it actually gave you that insight into the struggles yeah, yeah the struggles that they would have been feeling and expressing themselves especially around other people, no matter how close you are to someone or people, if you've been through that trauma or any trauma, not necessarily, it doesn't have to be sexual abuse or physical abuse or emotional, there's always going to be part of you that's shut off. Mm -hmm. And there's always going to be a part of you that maybe doesn't, you know, express how you feel. And it does kind of put a barrier up, no matter how much people like, oh, I'm fine. I hope that's not like the, the immediate reaction. Yeah, I'm fine. But yeah, uh, but no. like even years after, it never goes away. So I think that was also another reason why I adore this book. Yeah. So it gave you actually that insight into the friend and mm. kind of helped. Did it? Um, I'm not trying to pride. You know, mm. To talk going to this, but like, do you feel like that's kind of played out a bit with the friend? You've seen this, or do you feel like maybe there is? Because I, I, one of the views I would have about this book is it's grim about yeah. what means. So I'm just wondering if maybe that's reflected in your friend or maybe they've actually had a bit more of a healthy. Uh, Definitely healthier. But there are, you know, it's not like for like, but, yeah. you know, it kind of does make you 
just kind of take a step back and think about their actions or their how they're being and being like okay yeah makes sense yeah so you kind of like take a step back and it kind of just like for someone who hasn't been through that it kind of does give you a bit of an insight and just kind of necessarily yeah take the pressure off also off yourself being like I'm never going to fully understand and that's okay Mm. and I've just got to be there in any way possible Mm -hmm. does that make sense yeah that's uh I agree I think that's a look with this is a (laughs) risque this is the laugh of a nervous man going into this especially as a keyword man god um, going into this topic but uh but hey that's why I'm here exactly you can I'm a millennial yeah we're woke. We're okay. fine. Did the, uh, okay. So yeah, no, that's, yeah, it gives a really deep insight into that side of things. It's the side of uh, the difficulty of getting past traumatic experiences in terms of how they can mm. twist the way you think. Yeah. Um, and the the blame and the, the, the thinking that you deserved it as well, which is really interesting. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I can't talk on behalf of people who have suffered from any sort of trauma um but I think it is you know very common that the victims do always say well it was my fault or I deserved it or they can't escape the blame if that makes sense they yeah. always are going to blame themselves yeah they, they they're going to involve themselves in yeah. yeah and I think they're like well if I deserve that then I'm such a horrible human being so how can I physically cause harm to myself and that's obviously what the character Jude goes through mm-hmm. and that's how he kind of makes everything necessarily seem. And I say this in a brief, what are they called? Bunny ears. Quotation marks. Quotation marks. Yeah. Abbreviation, whatever they're called. In quotation marks, he harms himself to make him feel fine for that very short period of time. Um. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think, yeah, I think I don't know. I, I that part there I always thought was a reflection of uh, control over the body. Like, and that's why he kind of oh, did it. interesting. That, that's how okay. I saw it. Yeah. That's how I read it. I'm like, I would have thought, yeah, like, you know, I'm harming myself. It's like that classic, you know, this you take it my body all the other time, but this is me doing it and having control yeah. of that part of myself. Yeah, I guess. no, okay, that's actually really interesting because I kind of interpret it as he felt dirty and disgusting. So for him releasing all of that, okay, yeah, it made, still made him feel really shit about it, but it was kind of like an escape. Yeah, I, and I think it does mention that as well. So I'm not saying yeah, it doesn't have to be. But like- also, like this is the thing about books: interpret it how you interpret it. Yeah, yeah. Is that say? I just made that quote. Oh, you just invented a quote. That's it. I'm you interpret out. It how you interpret? Thanks it. for having me. Yeah. Enjoy um, your evening. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you 
everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So <laughs> I've mentioned to you when you said this is your favorite book. Uh, I have mixed more mixed feelings about it, I guess, as a, uh, a part of it is being uh, possibly as a guy coming into it, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I think uh, the main issue that I have, um, and I'm not taking away anyone's personal liking or dislike of the book in terms mm-hmm. of what they draw from it. But the thing that always stuck with me reading it was like anger at Jude for mm-hmm. being and this is this this is his, yeah like and this is me just being honest. Um he doesn't deal with it well at mm. all. And he blamed himself and he harms everyone around him as a result mm. of him saying he deserves it. And he just never lets himself at all go past that, which is legit because he went through yeah. that. But the way I always looked at it, I was always like and again, a couple. Of, we're just going to every topic here. But uh, if he was a pedophile, at the end of the book, he would have exactly the same mentality as he has in the book. Like mm-hmm. there's no difference between those two people. So, and maybe that means we've got to have more understanding for people who go through trauma and end up going that bad with it. But that's how I viewed it. So I was always like, he's not a good person. Like he's a monster, and mm-hmm. he's been turned into one as a result of what's happened to him. But still, he's not. He's not in any way a good person because mm. <laughs> he's not. Yeah. Like, that's and like the, the yeah, like the way that he does treat, you know, everyone around him is yeah. awful. The whole time. Yeah. Like he's, he's bad to everyone the whole time. Like, in- like, I think if I had a friend like that, who treat you that badly, you'd be like, what the actual fuck? But I suppose, you know, that's where kind of that, feeling when you love someone so much and you adore them so much no matter what they do they cannot hurt you but that just you just obviously haven't been in love but that just sounds like abuse like that just sounds like yeah exactly the problem like yeah yeah so if we're love love can be abusive yeah so we're saying coming from a 22 year old obviously have you been in in love (laughs) fuck no never nah really yeah was it a co-ed boarding school? Yeah. But nothing. No. I guess living with everyone all the time would kind of... Yeah. Okay. I lied. I thought I was in love once, but I was like 15. So obviously not true. You can feel it though at the time. Yeah. But I was 15. Isn't that like the, the most intense love? <laughs> Potentially. <laughs> just just throwing it out there. Okay. You're the one that brought up love. That's why I thought I would uh, ask. Um but that, what you're saying there as well, though, that's the whole idea. The fact that if you're so in love with someone, you'll let them off from doing anything. It's like, that's just abuse. You know? No, not like, let them off. You just accept it. 
you accept them because you love them. But like this, this is where I get. It's a classic book thing, I think, and it does happen. And movies because this person's the main character. Everyone's like, that's true. Everyone's like, oh, you're great, and it's like, but this character's literally done nothing but mm. treat everyone horribly the entire time, apart from brief moments mm. of niceness. And you're like, this, this could easily be reframed as someone that no one wants to talk to. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, what's that? It's got a name for it, where we all love the hero or the main character. It's like the mentality that you have to adore the main character. Yeah, and everyone kind of gives it a free pass. And yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, I. Jude wasn't my favorite character. No, everyone's favorite character is Willem. Has to be. Yeah, I mean, he. I can picture him as sexy. Yeah, but also he's a great guy. He's just the best in every way. Also, Loki. I love JB. JB, the eccentric artist, yeah. very much into drugs, crazy, but also a shit person as well. But that's the thing. At least, but even his shitness, you actually almost understand because he does. Can you? I feel like he's like nicer in many ways than he knows when he's wrong, but then he, and he he's, but also he's like horrible to the point of unforgiving. Yeah. But I mean, even I think, I think, okay. One thing is he grows as a character. Yeah. He's which, the only one that actually has growth in. Yeah. Which Jude, the whole story. like Willem is uh, kind of, I felt quite one note and you love him. Yeah. Country boy who's sweet and handsome. Like how could you not love him? But also he's been through a bit of trauma. Not necessarily but trauma, yeah. but... No, it's, it's still trauma. Yeah. It's not abuse trauma. It's yeah, that's true. Because he's brother and he's looking after him and all that stuff, right? Yeah, and then really bad relationship with his parents. And then basically he's by himself. Yeah. It's traumatic. He's by himself and it's traumatic. Interesting. Oh, here we go. I've just put the dots together. <laughs> Here we go. Buckle in, boys and girls. We're in for a ride. Uh, you're the one that's... <laughs> I know. I've only got myself to play. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying that's an interesting uh, interesting point to make. Mm. Is that something you've felt sometimes maybe a little bit? Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah? Oh, God, yeah. So, bit of a backstory. Um, when I moved over here six months in, I got diagnosed with anorexia and I had to go through my recovery all alone. And I kept it secret for like four or five months. Only my family knew. Well, I told my parents, obviously. But yeah, I didn't tell any of my friends for like four or five months because I was ashamed by it. So yeah, I did feel alone. Going through recovery by myself, going to my doctors, dietitians, psychologist appointments. Okay. It was lonely. That's, that's a lot to throw in. <laughs> Okay. I mean, look, you're not here for a good time. You're here to get to know me in a book. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, this is so, okay. Um, so I suppose I could okay. relate to Willem's loneliness. Mm -hmm. Even though I'm not physically alone, I'm mentally felt alone. Right. And is that, and um, that's not the only connection I'm drawing right now. Because, like, why didn't you tell your friends? Well, I didn't really know them that long. Yeah, because it was still new. Yeah. So, and if any of this topic is too far, it's mm -hmm. totally let me know. We okay. Know. Was the anorexia a result of moving or was it there kind of before? Um, it was there before. I remember going off on my gap year travels for six months and for some reason had in my head, I had to come back skinnier than when I left. Don't know why that came about. 
Uh, and then I got back from my travels and I got really into like health and gym and fitness and it was great. And then I was going to study nutrition. So I had to be healthy and then moved to Australia. And then I think it just, I think it had a bigger impact on me than I thought. Moving. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so then I just kind of kept spiraling. Right. And okay. So that, that's, yeah. So just, you don't really know what kind of, sparked it kind of just no and i had hypnotherapy once actually and we were talking about you know interesting we were talking about the earliest because the thing that came up for me was loneliness and my earliest memory of loneliness um and i think not eating for me and for like excessive exercise was my coping strategy of being lonely right yeah like like in, when I went to hypnotherapy, have you ever had hypnotherapy? No. Craziest experience ever. I would honestly recommend people just to go because it's so crazy. I was a bit, oh, you've got to be open to it before, mm-hmm. otherwise it won't work. Yeah. Um, and I know like my mum went and had it and then I've had a couple of friends that have gone and had it and it's honestly not life-changing, but it is mind-opening. So if you've got an issue to go do it or you're saying just to go even if you don't have anything? Not even if you have anything. Maybe, I mean, look, everyone's got a bit of something. No, so it very much taps into your subconscious and takes you back to like your earliest memories of something. So you kind of talk about what you get, want to get out of the session and everything. And then if you go to someone good, they kind of like take you back and it's all in your subconscious. And it's so weird because you can vividly see this earliest memory and as if but i could not like consciously could not remember it what yeah but you could remember it after afterwards no like i remember the memory that i said but i can't physically remember the memory like it was when i was like three years old sat in a car with my siblings and my mum, and they were all you know we were in i think we were living in dubai at the time uh, I'd just been picked up from kindergarten and so like my sister in school like she was at school and i just remember feeling really lonely in the car yeah and it was like subconscious crazy so you don't you but even though you remembered it then in the session afterwards Mm. you don't remember that memory or you do now i don't remember being like i remember the memory oh you do remember the memory but no i remember saying the memory but i don't remember the memory yeah yeah. so i don't remember being physically present in the memory oh really so it's not like oh my god remember when we went on that family holiday to cambodia yeah like that i remember that yeah Yeah. with this you can't no that's such a weird thing but you can remember Mm. saying it so it's like Mm. okay uh, but you felt a feeling of intense loneliness then. And that's a three. Yeah. So that's something which you've had like kind of hanging around you. Yeah. Oh, that's. And I kind of bought it on myself moving out to Australia. So really, yeah. I'm my own worst enemy. Okay. And. Wow. All right. That's. Whew. <laughs> <laughs> Throwing you a bit off track. Yeah, I? I don't know. what. Okay. It's just a lot. Okay. I'm going to go to. I want to try this. That's Honestly, really I'll give you the name of the chick that I went to. She's amazing. Australia. Yeah. Oh, and cool. Just in Malvern. Oh, I'm so intrigued. I'm actually going to. I'm going to take. I'm gonna yeah. Well, um, and I, I just want to go back just because I feel like it's still hanging there a little bit. So with the anorexia that you went through mm-hmm. and you really six, so six months in to being in Australia, was it a case of you like just waking up and being like, I got to look into this or was it someone recommended it? Or? No. So I went up to Port Macquarie to go see a family friend. And when I was up there, it was kind of like an intervention. My mum had spoken to our family friend and was like, I need to talk to Georgina about this. And they were, they basically teed it up. Oh, no. um, and mum was like, look, 
I want you to go and see a doctor when you get back to Melbourne. And I was like, why? And she was like, uh, I think you have lost a lot of weight and I think you're too skinny. And I was like, oh, fucking hell, no. And I didn't think that I was fat, but I didn't think that I looked good. And I had more, I was training for a half marathon. Again, I say that in quotation marks. That was just the way that my eating disorder portrayed itself. Mm. So I had to get up at 4 a.m. every morning and run 20 kilometers because I was training for a half marathon. Mm. Um, and I just wouldn't eat. And so, yeah, my mum was like, please just do it for me. Go and see a doctor. So I just booked an appointment online. First appointment I could get when I got back to Melbourne. And by pure chance, the doctor that I got specializes in eating disorders. So if that isn't meant to be, I don't know what it is. Mm. So then, yeah, went and started seeing her and she was just like a gem. I love my doctor. I still see her to this day. She was very, she made sure that we had that level of trust and we had a relationship before she even brought up eating disorders. All right. Yeah. So then why were you there? Like, in- So she got bloods taken the first time that I was there. So then obviously all my bloods were ridiculously low. Mm. So then she was like, come back in next week and we'll talk about your bloods. And then... um. It was just like little things that she always found reasons for me to come back to. And then she would just weigh me every week. And obviously the weight was going down. And then I was adamant that I had like a parasite or something. Oh, okay. Because I was like, maybe I picked it up. And I think my mum was as well. Because I went traveling in Asia. They went, maybe you picked it up there. And it's just like been dormant. Now it's come to life. (laughs) If that's what (laughs) parasites do. I don't know. It's I don't just, know. No, no, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> what a reason. Um, but no, it was probably about six weeks before I got diagnosed. Um, and it was really good because my doctor kind of encouraged me to go and do some research about it. And then I thought I had orthorexia, which isn't high, It isn't recognized as an eating disorder just yet. It should be. And basically, so orthorexia is an unhealthy obsession with healthy eating. So I thought I had that because I was like, I only eat greens. I just eat, you know, hardly any anything else, like no fat, no sugar, minimal carbs. Um, so I thought I had that. And then I was kind of talking to her about it. And she was like, okay, yeah. So that kind of then opened my mind up to an eating disorder. Uh, and then, yeah, she diagnosed me. Right. So she really spent a while letting you kind of like sort of find the door on your own yeah like the last little nudge yeah which could be really dangerous because it was literally at the point you know she sat me down she was like if you lose any more weight next week may it be a hundred grams i'm gonna have to admit you to hospital and you're gonna have to withdraw from uni and for me that was what i call my light bulb Mm. moment because i was like fuck i came out to australia to go to uni so if i have to drop out that means that i'm a bigger failure than actually sorting this shit out yeah so then that's when i kind of like committed to recovery i say that loosely it was when i accepted that i had to recover i didn't commit it to it Hmm. but you just yeah i mean it's it's interesting because like yeah that even that mentality of having no Mm. because you just didn't know before is that what you're saying yeah you were just like i'm healthy it's it's yeah i was very much i would be i was oblivious to it Whereas everyone around me, like even my friends, they were like, obviously they met me when I was really skinny anyway. Mm. So they were like, we it, we just kind of thought it was who you were, but we knew that it wasn't quite right and everything. Um, but yeah, and I mean, look, 
and this is so my podcast is about eating disorder recovery and this is what I've kind of realized as well talking to other people who have gone through recovery for their various eating disorders I feel like when and I could be very controversial in saying this and obviously recovery everyone is completely different it's all individual but I think when people rip off the band-aid and they diagnose you there and then first appointment it's a lot it's a lot to take on I mean it took me six weeks and I was still like eating disorder oh no um so I think when it's like you know a very much abrasive and quick diagnosis that's when people what's the word are against push back against it. push back against it and they're not willing to recover and they're very much in denial whereas I was very much warmed up to the idea of it so so the doctor really knew how to kind of approach the issue yeah she was the OG um so and then you've gotten better since then and yeah yeah and so touch wood right now uh yeah i'm fine does it feel like something you have to look out for yeah oh really and people some people say oh yeah i'm fully recovered um and i think you you never fully recover from an eating disorder it's always in the back of your mind you always have that little voice or power on your shoulder second guessing you sometimes louder than others sometimes you can't manage it sometimes you just listen to it other days you can really fight back against it and you know there's going to always be triggers in my life but you know I've got to a point now where I'm very comfortable managing it and I know how to manage my eating disorder right okay so you stay my little Eddie that's the voice that I call it Eddie yeah what is it just like are you gonna look you're being unhealthy or yeah or or you know you ate chips last night, so you're not going to have breakfast and you have to go on a run. Right. And you can't eat before midday. Right. That yeah. sort of thing. It's so weird because like there's, there's, there is an element of that which could be, and I'm not, I'm not tr- dismissing what you're going no, through. No, 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 of course not. Like it's, it's weird how that's like an element of that could be healthy <laughs> for a healthy person, but then yeah. it's just that twisting and especially if it's like, yeah. it's like, it's like the, I, I guess it's kind of like any addiction almost. Like yeah. one beer is fine for most people, but if you're an alcoholic, if you let that thing happen, then you're going to yeah. slip down that spiral. So it's yeah. a different And as soon out. as you kind of entertain it, it's very easy just to get caught up in it. Really? Yeah, really? so easy. Like COVID last year going in lockdown, I had a massive relapse. And, you know, it took me maybe a good two, three months to kind of realize. Whoa. And you get so good at hiding things. Like so good. from From other people. Been like, oh yeah, I've had breakfast. Oh yeah, I had dinner. Oh yeah, no, I'm not feeling. Oh, I feel really sick. I don't feel like eating. Really? Oh yeah, no, I've only done one workout today. When I've really done like two and a half, plus like a two hour walk. Dang. Yeah. That's a that's that's intense. Yeah. Um. Wow. I guess. Yeah. I'm. I mean, I'm just thinking back to what I was just saying about uh, Jude in the book and like how this. Yeah. Yeah, you've given me a different perspective on it because I can see how, like, like, in terms of talking to friends and stuff, how that, that relates to this, how, how you could relate to that. Yeah. No, it definitely does. And I think when you are going through something, and I don't know if it's, you know, just mental or, like, any sort of trauma or anything, I think it's always hard to know who you trust enough to tell. And also you never know how people are going to react. Um, I mean, nine times out of 10, they react 
way better than you think and it's all in your head but no um I can kind of relate to you know internalizing it all and keeping it from people yeah I was so embarrassed because I always thought that eating disorders were just like a teenage girl thing like 14 15 year olds just trying to get attention and they just stopped eating Hmm. even I thought that yeah it's because you don't realize it's like a mental yeah Yeah, uh, the Louis Theroux documentary about uh, anorexia for me Mm. that was was a game changer in my head yeah. of what it was like i've always been quite dis- i've had the same attitude yeah just kind of dismissed because i'm like how could you not know like you can see yeah. yourself getting thinner it's it's measurable yeah but but also as well like how it's much of it's not just anorexia like if you should you as in everyone you listening to this podcast as well should watch abc you can't ask that about eating disorders and there you have the whole array of eating disorders because you know when people talk about eating disorders they automatically think anorexia bulimia and borderline sometimes binge eating yeah yes they're the most three common things but there are so many different eating disorders that just go under the radar that people just think you're just being fussy you just don't like certain foods but it's an actual phobia of foods so yeah i think i just really want to highlight that you know there is a whole different range of eating disorders and they are all a mental illness every single one of them and the eating disorder, the actions that people partake in, they're the symptoms of the mental illness. Yeah. 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 So it's all kind of like the same base, like neuron yeah. firing a certain way. And then it's just mm. revealing itself in different ways, but it's that same. Um, okay. The, this has been a... This has turned into such a Like I knew going in, I'm like I'm a little so life. This is going to be full on. But this Everyone, has just got like six times more full on than I expected. You got more than you fucking bargained for, yeah, hey, didn't is, you? Anyone who's stuck around is going to... We started off so light. I know. <laughs> God, I thought I was nearly funny at the start. Oh, God. Well, we can still bring it back. We can bring it back. Come on. We've to, got I'm, to bring it back. No, no. It's, it, it's, it's good fun like to get it because like it is... Yeah, Okay. So it's interesting because I guess my gut thing when I look at something like A Little Life to t- talk about that again yeah. is- uh, Oh, yeah, that's why we're it, here. It's focused, yeah. But it, I was always thinking of it in terms of abuse and like that, but you're looking at it in terms of trauma from whatever experience. Yeah. That's even broader. And obviously that, uh, yeah, I mean, mm. and it's giving you an insight into that. And it's weird how you've got that connection also from the other side of the loneliness of- Yeah. They're all kind of lonely. That's the thing because they're all- can't relate to each other or put up those yeah walls. and also i think their friendship as well you know they do start off at university together and they are really close and then it's just kind of like the story of getting older relationships do kind of tend to fizzle out and maybe you're not as close as you always think that you are to people um and just kind of seeing that transition as well but yeah go on <laughs> Ask your question. Psychoanalyze me. I dare you. No, it's just a, it's a lot to think for an 18-year-old. That's true. To see that. And uh, I do wonder how much of that was you. I do just want to say that I think when I read it when I was 18, I didn't. This is why and partly I wanted to read it again. I don't think I was mentally mature enough to understand all of it. Whereas reading it again when I was 22 and maybe it was just rereading it again, I picked up on a lot more things and I, especially the under messages. 
Under messages. Am I okay? <laughs> Look, guys, I've been at work all day. Uh, and like my brain is just fried. <laughs> the under messages. That's so good. <laughs> That's my the fucking subtext. Yeah, yeah. Undertones. Undertones. What did, can I ask you a question? What did you think of Harold and Julia? Jude's adopted parents. The, this, who taught them and then he's still around in their lives and then eventually adopts them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, what, I thought they were lovely. Yeah. Why? No, me too. I just wanted to know. Because I also not. feel like, I don't know about you, but I felt to every single character I could kind of relate to slightly. Maybe more Harold, you know, putting others that you adore and love before yourself mm-hmm. and always kind of, yeah. Kind of selfless. Yeah. Like me. I'm kind of selfless. <laughs> I hate saying, saying it. But, yeah. No, like the people that I adore yeah. and, you know, care so much for and hold a special place in my heart, I would go, honestly, like above and beyond yeah. anything. I would help them murder a body. Yeah. Murder a body. <laughs> Bury a body. I was going to let you get away with that one. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, okay. So you felt that as well. No. Yeah, and I feel like Harold would do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, uh, he's always there, supportive. Mm. Loving. And also, he's fucking old and he still gets around. I want to be like that. Yeah. We've, we've wandered around a lot. I uh, Let's call it there. Do you, should anyone follow you anyway? you got a, this. Um, yes. So I have an Instagram page. Uh, it's called Georgie's Grub. Um, and it's where I develop and share recipes. So if you want to... Be exposed to some crazy food and recipes that you can cook along at home. Give me a follow. Nice. Give me a message. Oh, and then also my podcast, Road to Recovery, and that's on Instagram at Road to Recovery Podcast. Okay, cool. Um, Well, thank you very much for being on. Thanks for having me. No worries. Cheers. Thanks for listening. If you want to help support this show and all the other shows we do here at Sans Pants Radio, then why not subscribe to SansPantsPlus.com? For as little as $5 a month, you could have access to a whole bunch of bonus shows and content. Once again, that's SansPantsPlus.com.